Hello everyone and welcome to the next episode of the Grumpy Pony podcast. Um, This week we are going to be talking board games, role play games, um, all the normal sort of stuff but we had some kind of interesting developments this week so I was invited to uh, talk talk on BBC Radio Kent about um, running a shop on um, during lockdown and things like that so it was just a brief thing and, I, and we're going to be mentioning a bit of that in the podcast today um, also uh, I was also invited to the virtual Asmodi toy fair where we got, uh, got a chance to have a look at some new games and some stuff that that people are excited about for the coming year so I just picked some of my favorites and I'm going to talk about those today as well and um, today I am going to be joined by um, series regular Tony and new Come and Nathan, um, who have very kindly agreed to um, jump in on the podcast to just discuss things with me this week. So um, sit back, enjoy, and uh, yeah, let's get going. All right, guys, from your little lockdown dungeons, nice feather, Nathan. Um, so yeah, it's going to be another sort of like lockdown podcast, and Nathan and Tony have very graciously joined me today. Loads of stuff been going on with the shop and things. So um, you guys probably heard me on the radio as well. Yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, BBC Radio Kent. I got yeah, to go on there. To to you and everything. Yeah, and ha- had a little uh, talk about stuff about what how how things are going in lockdown and stuff. And I, I suppose it's pretty hard not to sort of talk about lockdown at the moment because it's basically just dominating everything. So. Yeah, it was funny because I was just chatting to, you know, when I was doing that on Radio Ken, it was really weird because it was like, well, I don't really want to be saying everything's doom and gloom because everyone's going to think the shop's absolutely terrible if I was if I was really doom and gloom about everything. Well, they need to find that out for themselves. Well, exactly. They need to get themselves in when they can. That's it. But yeah, it's weird. It's weird, though, because like you have to sort of listen on the phone like while they're talking and then they're doing bits and they go all of a sudden it's like oh yeah we've got ben on the line and like, oh okay right and then you immediately just like what do i say what do i do i don't know what i'm gonna do so, very, so very... basically like how nathan and i feel when you start one of these sessions pretty much yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so but yeah but you know we've got that there's, there's this pre- the presenter there and it's like Oh, it's just oh, I can't. Re- it's just so odd. And then afterwards, I got asked to do other interviews for like different newspapers and stuff. But I was just like, I'm going to end up being like the face of lockdown if I carry on with with these things. Well, no, no, you're going to be the face of hobby during lockdown. That's yeah, I don't think you should have done it. I don't know. No, I was... the Financial Times. I mean, I'm still yeah. disappointed you told me it wasn't going to be printed on some lovely pink paper. But you no, should have still done that. I think it was just going to be an online thing. Yeah. Like, who knows? background. I could have done. I could have done just to be like, yeah, oh, but to just do like a headshot, but a Grumpy Pony logo on a pink background. Yeah, proper FT. Yeah, could have done that. Yeah, I was just really. Oh, and then, but you know what though? I've not been that nervous about something for a very long time. Because originally, when they said, "Oh yeah, do you want to do it?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. It'd be easy." And then it came up to it. And uh, like it was, as it was getting closer and closer to it, I was getting more and more nervous about it. And I think that the night before, I was just like, what do I say? What, what, what happens if he says this? What, what happens if I get caught in some sort of weird... Like, I, I, I carried this 
I, I basically evolved this situation into such an anxiety-ridden mess to like but in my head like, like the night before I was like what if like people with on social media just decide to really kick off at me and like, they all just hate me for something I say like inadvertently and like, offend a million people and then just yeah, it just blows out of all proportion and then like it was like not even a minute long and it was done <laughs> so I think well, it's just, you didn't uh, go into your rant about how you hate cats, so that was fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's the nature of all show business, though, isn't it? So it was, you know, however many, however many hours of preparation, and um, uh, I, when I did some TV stuff, like you do hours and hours of filming for what amounted to about thirty seconds of on-screen time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, one of the funniest things I ever saw was a friend of mine. He was an extra in one of those. Um, it was like history channel or crime documentaries uh -huh. he had to drive to i mean it was devon where they were filming it and it was because there was an old chapel there that looked like a sort of texan chapel and they he got there and they were like oh yeah you're a sheriff you're you're a, a, his mate was just like his deputy and they just dressed him up like a sheriff and he said to me he spent the whole day dressed as a sheriff um, just nodding at the pastor, <laughs> the pastor, like the guy dressed up as like some, but like, who was also just a guy who turned up on the day and was giving the sermon. And then the sheriff starts doing that, and then he said like he was waiting for weeks for it to come out. It came out, and it's literally the one bit was him getting out of his car, <laughs> so he's like he didn't do any of the bit in the church. So, oh, but yeah, so yeah, very weird. It is all very weird that sort of stuff, um, but. After that, after I did my sort of TV and TV, my radio appearance, um, I did the Asmodee uh, Toy Fair, which was like a virtual thing. So normally, which is quite good in a way, because I don't think I'd have been able to go if it was like an actual physical fair, because uh, I wouldn't have been able to get anyone to actually look after the shop, I don't think. Um, but yeah, because it was virtual, I was able to sort of, log in similar to what we're doing now and they had like a sort of a virtual floor plan and you would click around and go to the different sections and have a look at stuff um and i was talking to tony a little bit before we actually started but there was a few games that sort of caught my eye that i quite like the look of um and i think what we did first was we're trying to think of the order we did it in now is we went to the rpg and the sort of like dungeons and dragons things first and this is one well, no, i mean i've got very limited experience with dungeons and dragons so i've only played with you guys um but apart from that i don't really play that much dungeons and dragons but it's quite interesting to see some of the games they've got there um and one of them i, I didn't send you the link to this one uh, nathan but it was the dnd &D adventures begins and it was the, it's basically, well, the way it was explained to me was a sort of introduction game to D&D &D as a board game, sort of a board game format, but it's a way for you to teach kids how to play D&D &D or what D&D is all about, um, but without sort of, you know, making it a bit easier for them to sort of visualise how it all works as like a board game. So Sounds excellent. Yeah, yeah, it does. It can be quite daunting, can't it? Like, yeah. Lots of people want to get into role play, but then they kind of see the size of the book and who's going to be my games master and how does any of this actually work? No, that's too terrifying. I'll put that down and walk away now. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess it's interesting. So, so because uh, um, neither of you guys had done a role play before, a D and D role play before. Before, uh, granted, we haven't got very far in our one, but uh, you know, I've, I've started running one for you guys and a few others. And I mean, how daunted were you by the content? I mean, I get as more experienced gamers, you're kind of used to rules and everything, but there is a lot of content. There is a lot of stuff to read through. Um, and um, I, I guess it's interesting to run some, you know, what, was it very daunting for you as experienced gamers? Uh, you know, probably less so than if you were younger and less experienced gamers, but was it, was it um, quite a lot to take in early doors? Um, yeah, I, I think it was for me, especially because I'm the sort of gamer that likes to have the physical stuff in front of me. So, you know, that's all the miniatures and stuff and having those in my hand. And, you know, if, you know, you're, so it's weird, it's a similar sort of thing with um, sort of like Kings of War, I struggled with for ages because with Kings of War, you're, you're not removing models as you take wounds, just the big, the base itself takes the wounds. So you essentially then have to treat them as like their own individual models. So, that that took a little bit of an adjustment for me because i'm such a sort of literal sort of i need things on the things and then i take the things away and then that's it but when you're doing it all sort of in your head um it was a little bit more of a as i, as I was saying to you tony i think when we started that i was like well so what do i roll for this and then where do i see this and you were like yeah you just roll this roll this and then you add this and i was like oh, i'm already lost but, uh, uh so well, we're using advantages Sorry, Sani. So we're using Roll20 to run this. And uh, in a similar way, I imagine that the um, the D D intro stuff works. It it does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Mm. Um, so it's quite a good way to introduce you to some of the concepts. That being said, as a first time GM, like if you think there's a lot to kind of take on board uh from from a from a getting you know getting your head around how how the rules work, trying to get your head around how to do it as a GM, and then learn how to use Roll Twenty as a for a first time as well. Like that was that 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 was quite a steep learning curve. Yeah, I think I think having the Roll Twenty really helps because, um, like I say, if I had to do it in person and I just had just say like a map in front of me with nothing on it, um, like I've seen some of these D and D groups like when they come into the shop, they literally just have a map and everything else is done just in their heads i'd really struggle with that but having like the map there to visualize it and you could move your guy around i think made all the difference and i think that's where this sort of board game sort of element is really going to help like kids get into it I, th I thought it was a great idea um yeah and it's not just kids i mean uh, like and your specific example uh, with with the intro to D and D, yeah, okay, it might be targeted towards kids, but more and more there seems to be uh, a lot of kind of role play based games. And I've spoken to both of you about some of the some of the bigger ball games that I've sort of been picking up recently, um, and the idea that you run them as a campaign, like a role play, um, and there's sort of downtime in between each gaming session where you know, your characters or your group or whatever will level up. Um, like you know, zombie side things like that, um, where it, it is essentially a board game equivalent of a role play. 
yeah i think you're finding that as well in say like you know things like blackstone fortress as well you know the, yeah. the games workshop stuff they, they've got a role play sort of element to them as well more and more I love games that. like core space and stuff as well what was that one mate games like core space and stuff as well yeah. it's quite good you know you get to it has that skirmish board game element to it but then also the things that you find or um you know the skills that you gain are kind of yours forever yeah um and you get to build that character um up more and more so yeah core, i think more space is something I'm, I'm quite excited about actually that's um the, the the original plan for the shop was to get loads of that that in for the new year but that's all been pushed back a bit but we're looking to get core space in in, the, in at some point in the next couple of months I think it'd be really good. It's an interesting mechanic. It's quite um, in-depth. Like, you have to track your ammunition and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of like the idea of that. Every every bullet counts, you know? Yeah. Everything you do um, matters. Um, and they have, like, quite a good little peg system. So mm. you haven't got to memorize things as much because you just move the pegs up and down or or remove stuff almost like a you know the old style dominoes boards yeah. that you would add up your scores on and stuff so i think if you can have elements like that where you can um track your progress easily is really vital because i mean i know when i used to do things like white wolf role play all of that is noted down on your character sheet so then every now and then you've got a character sheet that's covered in loads and loads of gubbins so now I've got to rewrite that, you know, another advantage of that Roll20 system. Yeah. I mean, I really like doing face-to-face roleplay, but that doing it on the, the computer system, it does it all for you. You add in the bits, you haven't got to cross stuff out and then get to a stage of, right, I've crossed out how much crossbow ammunition I have 25 times now. Yeah. I need to lose all the paper. <laughs> so I've, I've been watching a few uh, other groups do sort of role plays um and um uh the D, &D uh app D, &D uh was it D, D player or something app uh yeah D, D beyond oh yeah um, yeah that has a function whereby you can have your character sheet uh, you can have a digital character sheet on your on your smart device on your phone or your tablet or whatever which would mean uh you know once we can all sit around the table again which i know we're all looking forward to doing at some point soon um you're gonna get you can get kind of the best of both elements so you can have that face-to-face -face experience but have the digital character sheet that kind of does a lot of the the hard work for you in terms of tracking things um on your character sheet in theory i think it can even roll dice but you, you probably still want to have your physical dice in your hand oh yeah yeah that'd be sacrilegious you can't you can't be physically there and not roll your own dice yes tony people shouldn't have dice rolling apps don't know what you're talking about i mean it's, it's all <laughs> random isn't it but um so 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 yeah uh, uh, having that as an option uh, like a hybrid between the digital and the physical is is, mm. is awesome yeah it's, in it's interesting where like because of the lockdowns and stuff it's meant you know, I mean, because the reason I've, I've sort of brought up the D&D Adventures thing is because, you know, people have been asking, how do I introduce my son or, you know, whoever to D&D? &D? Um, 
you know, with you know, with the, some of the start sets that are out, and it's a start was quite quite difficult, I think, unless you knew knew a group that were willing to sort of take you under their wing. I think it was quite difficult for people to actually get started, like on the you know from from zero. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, you know, I think when the these come back out, I don't you know then you all you got is essentially a board game on its own. If you like it, go on into D and D. If not. You know, you've, you've got the ball game as it is. So, yeah, I thought I, th I thought it was pretty good. Um, just going to move on slightly, just a little bit on from D and D because there was a couple of other things at the fair that I noticed and I, I like the look of. And there were two different sort of role play um, games, which don't I, I don't think they use the D and D rule set. I think they're their own rule sets, but they were set in the Star Wars universe and the Witcher universe. Now, I thought they both looked really cool. Tony's got quite strong feelings about one of them. <laughs> strong feelings about both of them. <laughs> I wonder which the person. Person. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I, I thought it'd be quite cool. Um, but Tony, I thought you, you had some good points about this earlier. So have at um, it. Uh, I mean, to start with, I love both universes. I love The Witcher. I love Star Wars. Um, and uh, But I think uh, Star Wars lends itself to a better role-play universe. Um, and that's more because uh, you can have a group of adventurers um, and they can go and do sort of normal-style adventures, uh, like adventures. With The Witcher... Um, like, yes, he is a mutated human, but or, or the Witcher itself is a mutated human, and in fact, is he? They always have to be he. Um, uh, part of what makes a Witcher so effective is their knowledge. So, um, whenever you have a whenever a Witcher goes to sort of deal with a monster, he often doesn't know what you know because the humans don't know um, what these things are predominantly there's just a monster terrorizing a village so the witch has to go there he has to look at the you know he has to do a load of investigating to understand what it is that he's got to deal with and then once he's managed to figure out what it is he's got to deal with he then has to go out into the wilderness and make um you know get gather herbs and stuff to make the oils for his blade uh, to make the potions that he's got to drink and only when only when all of that kind of comes together yes he's better than the average person in terms of his ability to fight but it's his it's his knowledge of of how he operates and they're solitary you know they, they, they don't hunt in packs so doing that as a role play i think would be really difficult getting getting that trend getting that whole um investigation um because a lot of it comes down to the fact that he already knows it he doesn't have book you know hundreds of books that he carries around with him tomes and tomes of knowledge he's read those he's had to commit those to memory so that he can do that and doing that as a role play i think would just be really difficult yeah i mean but then like you're saying with the star wars thing as well like if you're a jedi then you're gonna be wrecking everything but then that also the role play element of that star wars game as i understand it from what i looked at is it is like edge of empire mm. so you're more you know in any role play, you could break it by being the bent super elf or the, you know, 
super tough Jedi, but I think for that you you are meant to be, you know, a Han Solo. Uh, yeah, I think there are books that allow you to be a Jedi as well. Like, so, so do we do we do we preface this next bit by saying spoiler alert if you haven't seen the end of the Mandalorian? Stop listening for the next. Uh, no, 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 no. Well, I've said There's, it. Now. No spoiler alerts. They should know by now. <laughs> so, it's been over the it's been everywhere for for some ages. time so yeah. so so the end of the mandalorian was a really great example of um you had the mandalorian and his and his cohorts uh and they fought their way onto uh the was it start yeah it was star destroyer or some variant on the star destroyer yeah um and they had that you know he had his boss fight with the with the dark trooper um you know which was like the, the culmination like it was a great role play party kind of formed uh and then all of a sudden there were 20 or 30 dark troopers and it was just like the most ridiculous thing that this party could never hope to achieve and then one jedi turns up granted it is that jedi and uh and just cleans house you know and, and it really highlights the difference between you know a band of adventurers like you say on the um uh was it the edge of the empire where you know your smugglers, your hand solos, and chewies and things like that, versus a Jedi that super overpowers it, um, and uh, and that's why, as I say, like a party of adventurers, of, you know, smugglers and um, bounty hunters and stuff, that makes for a great. That, that, there's so much scope there for for, for, for role play. Yeah, yeah, but so so weirdly, like if you would say in the Witcher universe you would have to just not be a witcher to try and get the most out of it, is what you're saying. Uh, also, if they're meant to be solo, how are you getting to the point of having a group of you? Well, Even if, I, you know, and gets a few followers for that monster, and like, yeah. he says one-off, okay, you know, Doris and Bob, you can help me out. Doris and Bob, yeah. Once Doris and Bob have helped him kill the spider creature, why are Doris and Bob following him when he goes, uh, I'm a witcher, I fly solo, yeah. late as Pete? Well, yeah, but I see, look, most of my sort of knowledge of the witcher comes from the game. And he does sort of, every now and again, sort of team up with people for things in the game. But I don't know how true that is to the books. Uh I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the the only people uh, of sort of significant individual power are the witches and the wizards, mages. Right. So, um, uh, and then there's also Siri, who's something else entirely. Um, but uh, so so yeah. I mean, he does travel with other people periodically, but I mean, they are predominantly solitary. So um monster hunters maybe i don't know I'm, I'm sort of i'm curious about the book i would like to see what is in that book and how they structure it and things because it could be a good one um just to have a quick look at um but yeah with the star wars one like you say yeah you, you've got that flexibility there i guess haven't you you can basically be what you want you've got some excellent opportunities for treachery and spies mm. and secret missions of all sorts which uh, yeah. seems a little more i mean the whole purpose of it is to go and kill a monster isn't it you know yeah every time it's not going to be which has been changed some people and oh no they actually 
Yeah, because doesn't he make a point of he makes a point of staying out of politics as well, doesn't he? Yeah. So <laughs> he can't be embroiled in this. I mean, you know, we are, we, are, we are focusing on Geralt here. There are there are many other. There are supposed to be many other witches, and in and in you know years gone by, there were many more witches. So it could be that you know it's looking at a time that was sort of much earlier when there were lots more monsters, and a witcher could ply his trade. Um, more readily and maybe that you know maybe there were times when there were more witches and, and and they did have to work together because there were a lot more monsters out there um but certainly the books and everything are all based around Geralt and they make reference to other um uh, you know to, to, to older times and to other witches but um uh, as, as as the main character that we know he is a very solitary yeah stays out of politics does all that but that said, it's such an awesome universe. It would be yeah. really cool to if, if they could find a way to do this on the table, you know, to, to play a Witcher in a role play and do it well. And I'm all over that. It's quite yeah. linear, though, isn't it? You know, like so with kind of D and D, and and if you are going to do the Star Wars one and stuff, you can you can complete a mission that is like destroying something and then your next one might actually be having to go and find stuff out or um, to gain political influence, that kind of stuff. If the kind of sole purpose of the Witcher is to destroy monsters, then it's, it's a very, right, well you destroy a monster and then your next mission is destroy a monster and then your next mission is destroy a monster. Yeah. So unless they're going to... Like, Somehow, suppose, like, like Tony was saying earlier, there's that element sort of in between is getting the ingredients ready to destroy that monster, which would be, I guess, different each time for whatever reason. But there's yeah. only so much role play you can do. You go into a forest to find some herbs. Roll the dice. Yeah. You found the herbs. Yeah. You oh, I needed a mushroom. Roll Damn the dice again. <laughs> now found the mushrooms you needed. Ah, yeah. <laughs> now roll the dice to pick the herbs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You fall over on the mirror, but... you'll have to get some more. <laughs> but I mean, if there is political intrigue, I haven't read the book, so you know, if there is political intrigue, or if, as you say, it's set in a past time where the witches were involved in politics and they could do more than just hunt monsters, then you can, you know, you can make it into a role play. I mean, there's certainly um, politics in the books, but it sort of happened around him. And he ends yeah. up getting drawn into it, but um, uh, he always tries to avoid it. I think it's probably yeah. fair. Well, yeah, I, I, I think the universe is, is strong enough for me to be intrigued enough to, to pick a copy up, I think. Just because I'd be interested to see how they, actually, they do it and structure it. Um, and Star Wars is Star Wars, so that's just like an easy in. You already know the universe so well. It's just like, why not give that a go? absolutely yeah i'm really excited about the star wars one i have to say because that does look i like the edge of empire element of it as well so i know there have been lots of role plays before where you can go around as the op jedis and mm. you're just blowing stuff up but i kind of you know i like that idea of you are on the edge of the conflict and perhaps what you do doesn't seem like it's going to matter all that much but then all of a sudden actually you've got to get this important thing from one planet to another or yeah yeah there's a, there seems to be a lot of scope there which is cool um oh yeah the other things i wanted to talk to you about you guys about was 
because I've got a feeling like once we all come out of lockdown, everyone's going to want a party game of some sort, right? So, you know, Christmas when we were op- when we were open for sort of like part of December, um, things like unstable unicorns, exploding kittens, those games were just the best sellers by far. Like, forget anything else. So I was looking at those sort of games as well, and there was one that I was like. Well, that I'm going to have in the shop, but if people play it in the shop, it's going to be a nightmare. Um, uh, it's throw, throw burrito. Yeah. Um, just looks hilarious, and you get like little plushy burritos with it that you have to throw at each other. This is where the problem in the shop comes. Is when yeah. you start throwing burritos well, at people in the shop. Yeah, um, but I think something stuff like that is so good to see that they're. These are still being focused on. Like, you know, I was not sure what to expect, really. I was wondering whether or not they were going to say, oh, we're going to be doing, you know, just more games that can be played remotely or whatever, you know, really know what to expect. Um, Like, you know, like the RPGs and stuff. I thought, to be honest, going into it, that was kind of what I was expecting to see more of. But there was was loads of these party games and things. Um, Yeah, and Throw Throw Burrito is one. And it has a extreme edition well, <laughs> where the burritos are huge and it is designed to be played outside. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So that is well worth a look. But yeah, I didn't know if you guys had a chance to have a look at that and see what your opinions were. I did. Um, I mean, things like Exploding Kittens and the Unicorn one and stuff, I have to say, I hate with a passion. You are <laughs> I know. Um, I think they're often awful games that don't really have a point. That funny one, particularly. Funny one. That is where you have to collect carrots, and then at the end of the game, you turn over other cards to find out what the winning carrot would be. So you can have twenty carrots and still not win. It's ridiculous. These are the games. games They know what they're doing or not. Stupid. But some of them are great for playing with the family. Um, and I quite like the idea of that burrito one, yeah. just for the ability of throwing a burrito at Faye's head. Just sounds good. Yeah. And if there's an extreme edition, I can tell her that the extreme edition is I throw a genuine burrito instead of the big ones out in the garden. Yeah, uh, the, the, the extreme edition looks hilarious. And, and there's a picture. I'll, I'll see if I can find the picture. And uh, it's just got two, two like stick figures throwing the burrito and it's huge and it's like it's just like like just taking each other out with it but you know i mean you're clearly wrong about exploding kittens and uh, unstable unicorns because they haven't they have an objective uh it's very clear in both of the games yeah um, to make you bored for 20 minutes they're, they're 15, 15 minute play time and uh i'm sorry the clear objective so it's okay <laughs> if, you're upset, if you're upset by it because you can't win them that's fine just admit that they're just oh whether you win or lose there are no winners in those games they're one. just there's, filling there's time. always a very clear winner in exploding yeah. kittens yeah there's no winners <laughs> <laughs> what about ufo alarm that's another great you know classic oh ufo alarm is amazing UFO, yeah that's one of the the classic games of the all-time greatest board game well, yeah i mean that's going to go down in history as one of the greatest games ever made um but like these small games like like throw throw burrito and um 
UFO alarm and uh, unstable uniforms from the side. Contrary to Nathan, I think they're awesome, but they have their place. So like, yeah. when we, you know, back when the shop was open and we'd come down most Thursday nights and we'd play a big ball game of some sort, often somebody would be late or, you know, you'd be waiting around for people. And it's those quick 15-minute games that were a great way to kind of fill the time with the people that were there before yeah. you kind of get onto the bit, like an aperitif towards the big ball game. And like you say, they're the sort of thing... Uh, like, like, like we talked about with the D and D beginners thing, there's yeah. sort of low barriers to entry. Like this, this Thorito burrito is ages seven and up. So if you're seven years old, you can kind of get to grips with this, and that kind of works. I think once you hit, you know, you know I, it's the sort of thing that I can easily get my parents to play um, back when I can see them again. Um, uh, That's it. You just, I think it says seven and up, and it's got Nathan with the cross over it. It's just got like he's not he's not in there he's not, not allowed. allowed to play yeah yeah so we don't know Nathan's actually and uh, there's uh -uh. only one of me so that's fine <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't invite another Nathan I can play yeah yeah, yeah. Like two two pictures of Nathan next to each other <laughs> <laughs> look I did I said I didn't have anything against the burrito game it's the exploding kittens. And that ilk, which frankly, if I'm banned from playing, I can spend that 15 minutes waiting for us to play a proper ball game doing something much more constructive. <laughs> they're, great games. they're great games. You're, you're a heathen. Um, there, there was another one of them which I didn't get a chance to look at, but um, it was just called You've Got Crabs. <laughs> <laughs> now, this one I, I might be in. Pound for every time I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I didn't get a chance to look at that. Um, there was a, there was another couple of them that I thought looked quite good. Um, uh, not not necessarily small party games, but just just games in general that I thought might be quite good that I actually picked up for the shop not too long ago. Um, one of them was the Bloodborne card game, which looks kind of interesting. Yeah. And the other one, which I think Tony might know a bit more about than me actually, which was the Small World of Warcraft. Um, so I played. I've played a small world, not the not the because I think there's a few different variants yeah. of it. Um, uh, a friend of mine, Damien's got it, um, and it's it's an interesting board game. Uh, it had uh, there was some function whereby uh, there was a randomness to the um, beasties or, or, or the player pieces that you ultimately ended up with. So some combination of uh, location and monster type that, that combined to make kind of a different game each time, uh, which was quite interesting. Quite yeah. a cool mechanic. Cool. Um, how that translates into Small World of Warcraft, I don't know enough about, um, but I guess it's probably going to have a similar function. Yeah, it just set in. Just what's, set what's the world of Warcraft? Is it Azeroth? Azeroth, that's it. Maybe go with an A. Yeah, I wasn't sure. But yeah, I, th I think it was quite good. It's quite good to see it, and it was weirdly. I think it was, if it hadn't hadn't been for lockdown, I wouldn't have had a chance to, to actually sort of go through a lot of these games with people who you know sell them, you know, wholesalers and stuff in in person. Like it's really well over the Zoom call, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. I actually got a chance to properly chat to them about about some of the games. So yeah, I mean, I don't think I would have just seen throw throw burrito just by chance or anything like that 
So oh, yeah. top your head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but do you think having done it now when you you, you, so you had the time because of kind of lockdown and everything, do you think uh, that as an experience it's gonna push you to do try and do more of them, if, especially if they do virtual ones in the future as well? Definitely if they do virtual ones. I mean the trade off would be, you know, if we were back open normally then it's trying to get someone to cover the shop and you know or if they, if it's a particularly busy day that it's on or something you know um it just depends it depends on where it would be as well but yeah definitely i mean i think they they've definitely got a value to them because you get a chance to actually speak to people about about the games and they they're all really knowledgeable about them so it's definitely got a value to to, to attending them it's just just how we do it yeah if you're able to go in person as well i assume they'll have kind of open boxes for the board games you can handle miniatures and that kind of stuff yeah. which is really you just wanted to send people as your representatives <laughs> have to be, i'd have to be some real special representatives that i thought well i once got sent for a wine tasting because the uh management couldn't go and i was really responsible and came back with lots of excellent information for them. So probably send Mark and Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> Look, I'm just, I'm just proposing, you know, solutions of how you could broaden your horizons. Do you know what? Though? It's funny, as, soon, as soon as you said that, I, I just had this image of Nathan at one of these things going, "Oh well, I hate those sort of games. I'm not doing it." No, I'm not. I'm not going to tell him they're even here. No. Are you the bloke who invented exploding kittens? <laughs> yeah. Right. We need to have a chat, matey. I'm full on slap mode now. Come on. <laughs> Bring me the diet burrito. <laughs> yeah. That was two years ago, Nathan. I don't care. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. But, I mean, that was it, really. Most of it was those board games um and then they were like oh do you want to have a look at the different types of dice that we that we have yes yes i do, oh, <laughs> I mean, I do. what bouncy monstrosities have you no bought? no they've got chessex dice and things like that and they've got the rpg like tubes of dice so they have they, they've basically what they've done is they've separated them out so you get these like they look like test tubes of dice and if you've got if you're playing D D, there's a little tube of dice for that and it has the dice exactly the dice that you need to play D D just in that tube and then chessex do some really nice ones there they don't have the bouncy ones so i said don't worry about it <laughs> i mean i think you know we're missing so so your your bouncy dice are awesome but they're only d6 there is if somebody can find me a set of D D bouncy dice i'm all over that <laughs> oh, absolutely God. all over that yeah i love a themed dice I've got I've got some from the Giants now. Well, they're rogue dice, but it's still themed. They're big and chunky dice. <laughs> Madness. Nothing wrong with that. Well, I think that's going to bring us nicely round to. I've just been chatting at you guys for most of this 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 time. But um, as always, I want to know what you guys are doing as well. So, hobby wise or gaming wise, what what you guys been doing? Tony, do you want to go first? What have you been sort of been doing apart from being ill and poorly? Uh, well, uh, gaming-wise, it's all been digital, I guess. Um, but I 
have seen a couple of Kickstarters that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Um, which I know we spoke about before. Yeah, no, I, this is what I was saying to you before. I just think as a sort of retailer, it doesn't give me much incentive to actually back them. You know what I mean? It's like, I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to support those games, but it doesn't really give me much of an incentive to actually do it. Yeah. But they they follow the the, the, the concept that we were talking about earlier. So um, the, 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 the role-play board game. Yeah. So I've got... Sitting in the cupboard behind me, Tainted Grail, which arrived after a couple of years, which I'm really excited to... Uh, I do, I love the minis for that. Uh, ...to have a look at. Um, and I've just invested in the next one they've done, which was the um, the ISS Vanguard, which is sort of set in space, and you're like a kind of a colony ship that's travelling through the stars, and uh, you each take on the role of, like, the head of a department within this colony ship. And I say department, like, you know... The head of engineering, the, the the head of the scouts, the head of um, uh, sort of manufacturing or whatever. Um, do they have miniatures as well? That one they do, yeah, absolutely. Not, I don't think I've seen the miniatures for that one. They have some awesome looking miniatures, um, and so so the, the the between game stuff is all like how you uh, apportion resources to the various different departments to upgrade your departments to get better equipment for the ship and better equipment for your team and then the missions themselves you send your landing party down to the planet so that's your actual game session where you all sit around and you and you play a board game which is the lander and you, you either go and kill a monster or gather some resources or whatever and you have to send the right people for the right job um, so that's very much another kind of role play element and then the last one which i'm Sort of arming and ahhing about is uh, which has just gone live, which is Primal: The Awakening. Yeah, I saw that one. Oh, that, like, the, the dragon for that looks great. Yeah. I like the big crabby thing. That's really cool in that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That looks awesome. Crab, so. But that, I mean, that's Monster Hunter. That's you know, that's that's um, like we were saying about The Witcher. But but I mean, uh, that's designed around um, <clears throat> a group of monster hunters to go out and hunt it, but. What yeah. what really interested me is the um, the the AI of the monsters. So often with these board games, like, I, I like cooperative board games. I'm less about the the competitive, all the all kind of board game. Because uh, we pick on you. Nathan, I've seen you pick on Tony in a cooperative board game. <laughs> 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 My favourite still when I brought the building down on him in the fire. I was going to say, there was that firefighter one, wasn't it, where you took the building down. Um, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> but, but, you know, when you're, playing, when you're playing as a group of you against the board game, uh, like AI mechanics are kind of Sim really Similar to XCOM. So XCOM, XCOM uh, uses um, uh, an app. To, to handle that, um, which is one way of doing it. And I say AI, like uh, with um, with Primal the Awakening, it's all cards, but there's a function that sort of determines um, uh, what cards are going to be played, how the monster is going to react, and it reacts differently based on how you attack it. So if uh, so. Um, uh, you can kind of make a choice. You can either try and stop it from turning around and breathing fire on you, but that's going to mean you're not going to do as much damage. You're not going to 
Um, or you can go hell for leather, attack it with your big sword strike or whatever, and hope that somebody else, one of your other party members, can kind of mitigate some of the mechanics. Um, and anything that's got a really clever way of dealing with with with, with the AI, be that card or app based, um, really interests me. Mm. Awesome. What about you, Nathan? You've been doing well. As you know, I always like to finish the project that i'm working on <laughs> and never start more than one at, at a time of course you're very disciplined yeah it's completely <laughs> disciplined so i've got out my death guard that have been sitting in a box for about four years and started painting them that's how bad lockdowns got um uh perfect time for death guard though at the moment yeah well that's the thing i'm hoping that by the time i can see people again i will have enough of a army actually painted to um to do something with um and then been digging out my uh witch elves for what i like to call proper fantasy uh, <laughs> on the square bases um but i'm also doing some stuff for them to maybe use them in age of sigma because you keep bugging yes. about playing that game sigma um and i bought lots of frost grave stuff yeah. i mean the frost grave stuff um those boxes are brilliant they really they're are amazing. have you seen the star grave stuff uh no so they're doing they're doing uh science fiction boxes oh goodbye money they're, they're called star grave yeah they, they look brilliant okay. i think they look brilliant well those wizard boxes i bought off you i bought um the male and the female wizards which I'd already seen, you know, made them made up, and I was like, yeah, these are going to be pretty cool miniatures. And then you open it, and you look at the amount of stuff on those sprues. Like, it's worth the money just for the heads on there before you then start thinking about all the yeah. other functions. Like, yeah, I can't express how awesome I think some of that Frostgrave stuff is. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, well worth it. I mean, I picked up the, the Knolls, for a game of Frostgrave, and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll pick up just the troop box, and then I'm all you know, planning on getting, you know, some character models and stuff like that. But just that troop box was more than enough to do my entire warband and the characters, and I've still got like half the box left to use. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. Like the the, the value in those boxes is great. You really yeah, can just the oldie times of uh, Warhammer models. Warhammer sprues when you sort of have uh, enough to make almost another squad of marines from uh, your original set of sprues. Yeah, well, and they had the, but then, yeah, I mean, it's weird though. You you had the sort of modular nation, uh, they were modular, but the level of detail in the models now, you, I just don't think you could do with that sort of modular. To, you know, the arms being able to just sort of click in like that, like they used to. Wow, I couldn't disagree more. Um, just <laughs> because, <laughs> just Don't because you. the Fireforge stuff um, that I've got is much like that. It's legs, separate legs, bodies, and arms. Yeah. Um, and the level of detail of that is amazing, and fits really well with the Frostgrave stuff. And kind of the the old um, Warhammer and modern Warhammer as well. You know, um, heads are very interchangeable and stuff. 
Um, and I, it's another one of the projects I've started. I showed you the <laughs> yeah, they did, they did look really good actually. Yeah, they look really good. And that's you know so much you can do with that if you know using uh, that old kind of like I love Games Workshop, but I think that some of what they've done of moving away from that modular um, aspect to get kind of these like the the Death Guard that I've put together. They're awesome, but you can only put them together in two or three different ways, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want a massive army of um, Plague Marines, you're going to have some doubles coming along, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas with the old modular stuff, and particularly the fact, you know, one of my favourite eras for Games Workshop was that um, the human fantasy part where you got the state troops and you got yeah. the free company and you could mix all their arms and heads about and you well, know still about you can still use them yeah, yeah yeah um but i think you know games workshop their kits look amazing um but they're kind of restrictive more mm. in certain aspects but the adeptus mechanicus that i got as well you have to that one guy can be the heavy weapons guy, you know what I mean? Whereas yeah, when you look yeah, at the yeah, yeah. base marine kits, any one of those guys can have a Laz cannon put on him or yeah. you know. So I just think there might there should be a happy medium there somewhere that I think some of their kits should still be a bit more Yeah. Plug and play, you know what I mean? Any link can go with any link. Yeah. But you, almost want, you almost want like the 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 heroes to be you know, not to, to be like at the level of detail that we see. Like, I mean, you look at like the Nagash model and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Like these spectacular great hero models, but your rank and file troops having the ability to, not that I ever did huge amounts of it, but having the ability to um, really play around with them in that kind of modular fashion. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it's funny. Yeah. Because at the moment, the, the models that are catching my eye at the moment are the ones that aren't modular at all. Are that they're the, yeah, especially Fraser Sigmar at the moment, they're doing these big sort of um, almost like a diorama for the like the hero characters, and they look amazing. I can't wait to get my hands on some of them. But um, yeah, they did they did some for the Osiak Bone Reapers, uh, and the Sanesh one's just been announced. They look amazing, but I, I doubt there's going to be any customization on them unless you really know what you're doing with with green stuff and which, which is fine, you know, like that Cesarus model. Mm. It's amazing. Like, yeah. I'm really glad the Games Workshop makes that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but as Tony says, maybe for the rank and file, having a bit more, you know, and I think they're more than capable of it. I don't see why you can't still produce models that look as good as those Plague Marines, but that anyone in that set can have the Blight Launcher or anyone in, do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which you, you can do. You know, I'm looking at, at converting some some bits with um some of the old uh dark imperium ones that are obviously you know they're a single cast well a couple of bits put together but you know only make that figure and you can chop some bits off and use bits that i've got left over from the the troop box but it would be nice to see some more yeah. truly modular stuff you know when the dark eldar heads and bodies could be interchanged with the dark elves heads and bodies and and that kind of stuff i thought it was excellent for kit bashing hmm. but yeah well i suppose i don't think that either of those kits have changed at the moment so you could probably still do that yeah 
you probably still do. I've got that. That's one of the things I was thinking of doing was kickstarting my um, Dark Eldar army again. And I've got all the bits out, got it on the table, and I was just like, I was going to paint a troll instead. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't know why. For some reason, I'm just not getting sort of the motivation to paint those guys just yet. I'll keep them there, and then at some point I will. I've still got my Necrons sitting around. I'm, I'm painted. So. After you became that guy. I became that guy because you made me that guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I became that guy. Do you mean the Necron playing guy or the guy with loads of unpainted miniatures? Because we're all that guy. Uh, well, at the moment, both, yeah. I've <laughs> <laughs> got loads that are unpainted. I've just been focusing on like the giants and the monsters and stuff. I just really enjoy painting the big monsters and stuff at the moment. So it's like... If I look at uh, having just finished, well, almost finished my Gene Steeler Cult Army, which is just loads and loads of troops, I, I don't know if I can bring myself to paint another Horde Army just yet. <laughs> so, God, I only seem to like the Horde Armies, is, is so <laughs> I don't know. It's because they're the best. They are the best. They are the best. Horde Armies are brilliant. I love them. Because you can you pretend that you're going to have enough time to paint them all. That's the best bit about it. Yeah. I, I did. I did attempt to do a Skaven army at one point, but I I, I just finished. Well, it was it was between the Skaven and the Night Goblins. I went with Night Goblins in the end. Yeah, like, both really light on troops. You don't need like yeah, before, yeah, yeah, exactly. Two hundred and fifty right. goblins later, like, <laughs> it's just yeah, it's obscene. But yeah, but but I think on that note. We, I'm, I'm pretty much done with everything I want to talk about. So, I think unless you guys have got anything exciting you want to announce, no. no cool. No. Well, thanks very much, guys, for doing this. Um, so I'm going to hopefully try to do these a lot more regularly, and um, I'm arranging getting guests and things in as well. So, um, onwards and upwards, get as many people as you can to download the app, the app, the podcast, and um, we'll just start doing more and more of them i want to try and schedule more so looking at getting them done um, at least twice a month so yeah that's the plan going forward but yeah okay i might have to paint while we do them because obviously yeah I've got cool. new projects yeah well i always ask what people are up to like tony doesn't paint anything so <laughs> no <laughs> it's a fun stuff. We get other people to paint it yeah <laughs> but yeah thanks for that guys um yeah, yeah, we'll just uh, end it there. Brilliant. Thanks, Ben. Thanks very much for uh, listening to our podcast. This is a great support for our little shop in the middle of Kent. So um, thanks very much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it and stay tuned for the next one.